This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning, good morning. Been a great morning, huh? I believe we serve a miracle worker, so I pray he's doing miracles in you right now. If you're a guest, we're glad to have you today. Uh, if you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're here on this 4th of July weekend. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high? We want to put the Word of God in your hand because we're actually going to preach out of the Word of God today. Once you get a Bible, go to 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, and as you're doing that, again, here we are on Independence Weekend, and I think many times it's very easy to I just get hung up on fireworks and days off from work and we forget about our nation. And I'm sure you guys would agree with me. Our, our nation is in dire need of people to pray right now. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and just in your way, let's all just pray over America right now. Father God, we lift up this place called America. And Lord, you said in First Chronicles 16 that if my people who are called by my name would humble and pray, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, you would heal our land. And so, Father God, we come before you today humbly. And we pray, Father God, that you grace our land today, that your 10 commandments would come alive in this nation again. And Father God, the, the very God that formed and started this nation, this nation will end that way also. And we give you glory and honor. And Lord, we ask you right now, grace our land in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, you're going to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We are on our series here, a critical spirit, judgmental, opinionated. Let me ask you something right now. Are, are any of you very opinionated or critical? It's okay to raise your hand. Thank you for being truthful. I, I can get that way. And so part of this is some stuff that the Lord has birthed in my heart. And so I, I believe the scriptures are really going to speak to you today. It's going to be prophetic, and I'm not talking about prophetic and foretelling the future. I'm talking about the prophetic word of God that I believe it'll come alive within you today if you'll open your heart to it. So we begin in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exhort... I admonish or I urge you, first of all, not second of all, third of all, or fourth of all, but first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, which every one of those are forms of prayer, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We're to pray and to give thanks for all men. Now, when I read that, the thought jumps out at me immediately. As Christians, how many of us actually do that? Ow, that hurts. How many of us pray and we give thanks just like he's talking about? See, I think a lot of times instead of praying for people, it's a lot easier to be critical and judgmental. And, and I'm not pointing a finger because I know when I point a finger, I got three more pointing right back. And I'm guilty of this. 
And so he goes on, and I'm talking about he, the apostle Paul. He gives us a little more of an in-depth in verse 2, and he says, Four kings, four kings, presidents, and all who are in authority, a place of responsibility, your boss, your supervisor, your teachers, your coaches. You want me to keep going? I'm pretty good. See, when I look at everything, he said, we're to be praying for the kings. We're to be praying for people in authority and, and even our bosses. And it's easier to be critical sometimes, we think, than it is to, to actually pray for them. Now, you don't have to and I don't have to. We don't have to pray for nobody. We don't have to obey this if we don't want. But there is a, a, a promise that's attached at the end of verse 2. And I want you to pay close attention that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Now, if I ask how many of you would like to live a peaceable life and a quiet life, I would think it would be unanimous, every one of us. But maybe if my life is not peaceable and quiet, could it be because... I've been critical of kings and those in authority instead of actually doing what the Bible says. Dang, pastor, you're preaching so good today. I, I knew going into this series, you're not gonna get a lot of amens. You may get a lot of omes, but not a lot of amens. And so I believe what the Lord is wanting us to do is, is he's wanting to raise the bar. He's wanting to raise the standard because I don't know about, it, it's easy to complain. It's easy to be critical. All you gotta do is watch the news or read a newspaper. Everybody's critical. Everybody's opinionated. Now, go with me into the Old Testament, way back to your left to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. So it kind of gives you an idea where we're, we're headed today. And again, it's like I said, you can be critical, but there's going to be some consequences with it. 1 Samuel chapter 18 is where we're headed now. As you're turning there, I'm going to paraphrase 1 Samuel 15, 16, 17 for you real quick. Just to give you a little timeline and set the table what's going on. So the prophet Samuel is a man of God. Samuel, man, I mean, he's incredible with the things of heaven. God tells Samuel, I want you to go to this guy named Saul and I want you to anoint him as the next king or president over Israel. And tell him I got some things he's got to do. He's got to obey me. This is all 1 Samuel 15. Later on in this chapter, Samuel figures out that, that Saul didn't do what God told him to do. Saul begins to take matters into his own hand and puts his own twist on it. And in 1 Samuel 15 verse 10 it says, that God said, I, I regret that I made him king. I, I regret that he's the president. Now just a little insight on this. Saul reigns as the king or the president for 40 years in Israel. So God is the one who anointed him to be the king and God will be the one who takes him out. So after this, we go to 1 Samuel 16. That's the famous chapter about when God sends Samuel to a guy named Jesse, the Bethlehemite's house. And he said, I want you to anoint the next king or the next president. 
And we know through the story that he ultimately anoints this guy named David. When he anoints David to be king, David doesn't become king for another 14 years. So those 14 years, guess what David gets to do? He gets to go to God's school of submission. You know what submission is? Where you learn to yield to authority. The people that are over you. I don't want to do that. Well, it's going to be a long journey for you then. 1 Samuel 17 is the famous chapter where King David goes and he fights against this Goliath, I mean this giant named Goliath. And we remember he kills Goliath and David's fame is beginning to soar. So this is where we pick up. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. Now it happened as they were coming home, and what this is talking about, the army of Israel is coming home. And David was returning from the, the slaughter of the Philistine, that the women who'd come out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. So the woman sang as they danced, and they said, now I want you to get this picture. Saul and David are coming back and the army's with them and all the women, they come out and I mean, they, they are happy. They are full of joy. They got their tambourines. Don't bring your tambourines in here, okay? And I mean, they, they are ecstatic of what's going on. Now watch the song they begin to sing in verse seven. Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Now what's going on right here is these women begin to acknowledge David's fame. David didn't promote himself. David wasn't the one singing about himself. These women were the ones singing about him. And so David doesn't pick up the phone and tell all these women, hey, get on social media and say, David for king now. David doesn't promote himself at all. The women are promoting himself. Now, I'm going to tell you just a little bit what's going to happen today, and you're going to see this biblically. Never one time do I find out that David was critical or judgmental against King Saul, ever, in his actions and his words. We keep reading. Verse 8. Then Saul was very angry and the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed to David 10,000. To me, they have ascribed only 1,000. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? So to me, he's prophesying what's gonna happen. Verse nine, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. He was jealous, he was threatened by David. Verse 10, and it happened on the next day that the distressing spirit from God came upon Saul and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Now it's interesting, David's sitting there playing the harp, but Saul's got a spear in his hand. Verse 11, and Saul cast the spear, for he said, I will pin David to the wall, but David escaped his presence twice. 
So on two different times, Saul tries to pin David to the wall with his spear. I, I don't know if God intervened or Saul was that sorry of a name. I don't know what happened. But I'm reading into this and I'm looking here and, and I want you to think about this. What happens if someone throws a spear at you and misses not once but twice? Well, what do you do? I'll tell you what I do. I pick up the spear and I throw it back at him. I get him before he gets me. See, that's, that's man's way. That's what man would say. I'm gonna get him. But that's not what David does. And what I begin to see here over and over that the Bible says that King David was a man after God's own heart. But I think he was a man after God's own heart in a way that we haven't looked at. And you're going to begin to see this come out in Scripture incredibly, okay? So he goes on to say in verse 12, Now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. And so what goes on here? as David became an incredible threat to Saul, but David had unbelievable restraint in honoring Saul. He, he never was critical towards Saul. He was never judgmental. He wasn't opinionated, and, and David was a prudent in speech, which means he had a principle of honor. And so you want to destroy honor? The assassin of honor is critical and opinionated words. Now, we can be that way. You can be critical. You can be opinionated, but you better understand there's consequences for this. And so what happens after this is David is literally on the run for years. He's in the school of submission. But never one time did David try to promote himself over Saul. Turn with me to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse number 1. Now it happened when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that it was told him, saying, Take note, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Now En Gedi was an area of, of Israel that was a lot of cliffs and rocks is what it was. So that's where David's at. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen or elite men from all of Israel and he went to seek David and his men who were on the rocks of the wild goats. The reason is the rocks of the wild goats, that's all that could survive there. So David's in hiding. Verse three, so he came to the sheepfolds by the road where there was a cave and Saul went in to attend his needs. Saul's gotta go to the bathroom. And so he wanders into this cave. Now listen real close what it says here. David and his men were staying in the recesses of the cave. David has 600 men with him. Now this gives us an idea how big this cave was. It was massive. Now I want you to picture this. David and his six men are in the back of the cave. And all of a sudden they look and they see the light and they realize there's a man standing there and they're like, that's King Saul. That's King Saul. This is so God in their eyes. This has got to be God. Verse five or verse eight. No, verse five. Four. Somewhere. Verse four. 
Then the men of David said to him, this is the day which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. As it seems good to you. And so what they tell him is, get him, David, before he gets you. Take him out. This has got to be God. End of verse four. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And just think about this. Saul doesn't have a clue he's even in there. He gets so close that he cuts off a corner of his robe. And oftentimes we don't realize the significance of that. But the corner of his robe, his robe would be, would be called a mantle or an outer garment. That's how he was identified with that robe as king. So when David goes in there and cuts off a piece of that robe or a piece of that mantle, he is actually cutting off a piece of authority that God had placed on Saul. Man hadn't placed that. Remember, God said, I anointed Saul to be the king. So David cuts off something that God put on him. Verse five. Now it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. David's heart began to convict him. Do you know that's how God moves with us with the Holy Spirit? He convicts our hearts. The biblical reference of that is John 16, 7. And he convicts our hearts not to beat us up, but one, to lead us to a place to repent, and two, to keep our hearts tender. That's why it's so important that we repent. And so if you were to study the Bible in Acts 2, Peter began to speak the word of God, and it said that the word that he spoke, this is Acts 2, 38, 39, 40, it says that it cut him to heart. The word of God cut him to heart. So what happens is when we hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit starts moving and cuts us to heart. That may be happening to you this morning. And the cutting of the heart would lead us to a place we would repent. Not to beat us up, but to keep us right with God. So I'm reading this passage and about five weeks ago, I, I was in a meeting with a guy and Shelly was sitting there and the guy began to irritate me in some way. And so he made this comment and I fired back. You know what I mean by fire back? I shot before I thought. I shot, just think. The Bible says in James 1:19, be swift to hear and slow to speak. I wasn't. I disobeyed. And so out of my mouth, I made a comment and I said, He's an idiot. You said, Pastor, you said that? I did. I get out of that meeting and I'm walking down the hallway and I'm telling you just how the Lord convicted David. That began to happen to me. I knew in my heart that I'd crossed the line. What'd you do, Pastor? Did you blow it? No, I repented. I said, Father God, I don't want to do that. So, Think about this. This is five weeks ago. 
I began studying on these lines about two months ago. And so, I mean, the Lord is moving in me. He's moving in me. And so I repent, and I believe this is what's happened to David. Now, in the next few verses, I want you to pay close attention to, to the honor in David's actions and his words. Listen real close, verse 6. And David said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master. He called Saul his master. He didn't say that stupid fool. The Lord's anointed to stretch out my hand against him, saying, he is the anointed of the Lord. David understood something right here. He's the anointing of the Lord. See, oftentimes we're critical of people and we want to put them down to make us feel more important. Even as Christians, it's very easy to put other Christians down to make me look real spiritual or religious. You can do that. But David knew in 1 Chronicles 16, the Bible says, don't mess with God's anointed don't mess with God's anointed. Verse 7. So David restrained his servants. How did he restrain them? With these words. And he did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went his way. David also rose afterward, went up the cave, and he called out to Saul saying, My Lord the King. So what happens is Saul leaves and he gets on the other side of one of these valleys and David comes out and he yells at him and says, hey Saul, and notice how he acknowledged him. He said, my Lord, the king. He didn't call him brain dead Ted. And if your name's Ted, I don't mean that ugly, okay? Don't send me a, a note, all right? He honored him. He honored him with his words. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and he bowed down. He wasn't just acknowledging and honoring with his words. He acknowledged him and honored him with his actions. And think about this. This was a guy who was trying to kill him. So I put myself in these shoes. What would you do? When people begin to come after you, and I don't care who it is, whether it's kings, people in authority over you. So in my teenage years, I wasn't born again. I couldn't spell Jesus, let alone know Jesus. And so I don't care who you are, without Jesus in your life, you know what happens? You become a mess. I don't care who you are. So I'm, I'm a junior in high school, and I'm, I'm playing football. And our head coach is my personal coach in the secondary. And I couldn't stand him. I could not stand him. And I was vocal about it. So what happens during this course of time in my junior year, the guy in front of me gets hurt. So for the rest of the year, I start. Well, you know what I figure out? He doesn't have a backup. I'm all he got. 
So you know what this guy does? I get real mouthy. I get real vocal because I knew he couldn't do anything to me. And so I was in charge of all our coverages on defense. And so if he would say coverage two, I would call coverage three. And if he called coverage three, I would change it to cover one. And if he said, let's go zone, I would go man. And I would come to the sideline and he would say, did you change my covers? And I'd say, I did. I did. I was extremely dishonoring. I mean extremely. And this is a person that the Bible says, pray for those who are responsible or who have authority. He was a person of authority. Now you can get away with that for a little while. The last game of my junior year, the last regular season game, I get clipped right there, right here. I break my leg. I'm done. I don't play one game in the playoffs. And I look back at that and I wonder to this day, God didn't cause me to do that. But in Matthew 12, 36, it says, you will be justified by your words or you will be judged by your words. You'll be acquitted by your words or you'll be sentenced by your words. Now, whether you like the Bible or not, that's, that's a truth that's in the Word. That's going to happen, okay? Your words will find you out. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. Matthew 12, 34. So when I begin to look at this, I begin to look back in the rear view mirror of my life and the thing I find out about life, how many of you wish you could have do-overs in life? I thought, oh Lord, I wish I could go back to 16 or 17 because I would be very honoring instead of very rebellious, instead of be very judgmental and critical. I could tell you a story. Again, guys, this is before I was born again. My dad coached at the high school I went to. They would have to go get my dad many days out of class to come down there to deal with me. You know why? Be careful, little tongue, what you say. Be careful. And I remember my dad would look at me and say, did you say that to that teacher? And I said, I did. And he goes, you got two choices. You're going to either go back in there and apologize or I'm going to deal with you. I said, you know what? I think I'll go back in there and apologize. <laughs> I lived with the fear of my dad and that's a good way. But you begin to see something here with King David. I'm not going to be critical of him no matter what he does. Verse 11. Moreover, my father, see, he dresses him as his father. Yes, see the corner of your robe in my hand, for in that I cut off the corner of your robe, and I did not kill you. No one see that there is neither evil nor rebellion in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, yet you hunt my life to take it. Now, verse 12, look, look what King David says. Let the Lord judge between you and me. 
In other words, I'm not going to be the judge. I'm going to let God be the judge. And he says something interesting. And he says, and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand shall not be against you. Let the Lord avenge me. You know what King David knew? Vengeance in mine. Vengeance is God's. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans. Same chapter, verse 15. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and be judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So you know what he said? I'm not taking matters into my own hand. I'm giving them to you, Father God. I'm turning them over to you. Fast forward, go to chapter 26. 1 Samuel 26. So what's going on here? Saul is relentless. He's still tracking David when we get to this chapter. Still going after him. So one night, Saul and his men, they set up camp. And he doesn't know how close David is to him. So David sees Saul and his 3,000 men all camped there. David has this brilliant idea. I'm going to sneak into their camp tonight. That's kind of suicidal thought, isn't it? One against 3,000. And then David looks at his men and says, anybody want to go with me? Well, he had one named Abishal. And Abishal was a, a trained killer. Abishal would rather kill you than look at you. And Abishal said, I'll go. So now we got two against 3,000. So we pick up 1 Samuel 26, verse number 7. So David and Abishal came to the people by night, and there Saul laid sleeping within the camp with a spear struck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people lay around him. Now get the picture, 3,000 of them, and, and I believe right there in the middle, King Saul's laying. And Abner is his general. Abner is in charge of protecting him, and next to uh, uh, Saul is his spear and his water jug. Keep reading, verse 8. Then Abishal said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now, therefore, please, please, pretty please, with sugar all over it, please, please, let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth when I will not have to strike him a second time. So you know what he says? Just let me pierce him just one time. I'll, I'll kill him the first time. Done. I'll kill him, David. And really, when you look at what Abishal said, this has got to be God. But you know what David realizes? We either do things God's way or we do things man's way. Man's way said, kill him. Kill him before he kills you. So he says, let me kill him. But watch David's response. But David said to Abishal, do not destroy him. For who can stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? In other words, you stretch out your hand against the Lord, there's going to be a price to pay. And David knew that. So David said, furthermore, as the Lord lives, the Lord shall strike him. Or his day shall come to die. Or he shall go out to battle and he'll perish. That's how he died. Saul died in battle. Listen to what he said. The Lord forbid that I should stretch out my hand against the Lord's anointed but please take now the spear and the jug of water that are on my head and let us go. He wouldn't criticize him. 
He was honoring in his words and his action. Now, let me ask you something. Would that describe you? Do you have someone in authority in your life that, man, there's thoughts, I'd like to get him. But what would happen if we would begin to live like David? And see, this gives me a whole nother enlightenment why David's a man after God's own heart. He said, I'm gonna do it your way, Father God. And you know, David never put himself in that office, God did. And so what happens is David leaves with Abishal and they've got his sword and his jug which there are symbols on them that this was the king's. And David gets across the valley and he shouts across the valley. And he shouts to this guy named Abner and he said, you're not a very good general, pal. You weren't watching over the king very good. We could have killed him. And so while David is talking to Abner, King Saul hears it and he says, is that your voice, David? Is that your voice? And King David responded then. And when he said that to him, he said, it's my voice, my Lord and my King. That's how he responded. He didn't say, you stupid idiot. You're clueless. He responded out of honor with his words, my Lord and my King. So when I read into this, I look and I think, does that locate me at all? Now I want to end with this verse right here because you've got to see this. Same chapter, verse 23. May the Lord repay every man. Woo! May the Lord repay every man. You know, can I help you with that? You know what that means? There are no exemption. You can dishonor, you can be critical, you can be fault-finding, you can be opinionated, but understand you're gonna be repaid. And he goes on to say, may the Lord repay every man for his righteousness and his faithfulness, or we could flip it around and say for your unrighteousness and your lack of faithfulness. As a man that the Bible school I went to, his name was Kenneth Hagin. He was working a, a, a secular job and every day at lunch, all the men would complain about their boss. They would yak about him, how sorry he was, da 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 da. Any of you guys ever done that? Okay. Raise your hands, you liars. Come on, it's okay. One day in the cafeteria, they were eating and they yakking about how sorry their boss was. And they said, Kenneth, what do you say about him? And he goes, He's got pretty blue eyes. You know what my point is there? He found something good to say about him. It's easy to say something sorry. You will be repaid. Is that what the Bible said? This is what the Bible, you will be repaid right here. I would not stretch my hand against the Lord's anointed. So I go back into my life. Before I came into the ministry, I, I worked at a company for about 20 years. 
the Lord was very good to me. And there was one day that I was wrong. I was sincerely wrong. It wasn't, it wasn't blatant, ugly. I had a guy who was having trouble maritally. His marriage was going down the tubes. And so he said, man, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. Well, the problem, I did it on company time, which was wrong. I walk in at five o'clock getting ready to go home. And my boss said, I need to talk to you and you. He took two of us in and he said, were you at this place for this amount of time? I said, yes, sir, I was. He said, I'm gonna give you three weeks off without pay. 15 work days. You can do the math. That's 21 days without a paycheck. And I'm like, crap horrific. That's not what I wanted to hear. And so the guy with me, he starts thinking off other employees. He starts saying, well, they do this. And I said, wait, 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 stop. Stop. So I knew this was a place. It was kind of like the school of submission. Are you going to run your mouth? Or are you just going to be quiet? So the other guy left and I said to my boss, I, I want you to know I was wrong. So now I get the great trip on the way home and I get to tell Shelly, hey, guess what happened today? I just got laid off three days without work. But you know, after those 20 day, 21 days went by, the Lord had graced me with more money than I'd even made at my job. He took care of me. And I believe to this day, is because I kept my mouth shut and I honored him. So my first day back after the 21 days, I walk in and there the guy was who had given me the days off. And I went up and shook his hand, told him I was glad to be back. I don't know how many golf tournaments I got to play with that man. But I fast forward about 10 years after that and one day I get a call and it was his wife. She said, my husband just died two days ago. She said, on his deathbed, he said, the only one that he'd ever want to do his funeral is you. And I shrunk. I realized what happens at times we just honor if we would just honor instead of being so critical and judgmental. And we live in a society where you, you got 31 different opinions. It's like 31 flavors of, I got 31 opinions. And, and right here, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing anyone, but right here today, I got a few of you that'll say, it's so cold in here. And then I got one say, don't you dare touch that air conditioner. And it's so easy that we can become opinionated just over the littlest things. We're to pray for those in authority. We're to pray for kings. But I live in a world right now that's gotten where even within the church, we're, we're so critical. 
And it's almost like we become addicted to criticism. And when you're addicted to something, it becomes a pattern in your life and you don't feel like you could break it. But I believe there is a good addiction and it's called grace. That the Lord said to Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, my grace is sufficient in your weakness. And if a weakness in my life is being judgmental and critical, then I need help. And if you want to be addicted to something, be addicted to God's grace, where I wake up and I say, Father God, grace me. Grace me. And I will tell you, it is not easy. I mean, I was so proud of myself on the way home the other day. I didn't get mad one time. Not what, and you say, is that that big of a deal? To, it's huge to me. I'm, my wife said, you are one of the most laid back people I know until they put you behind the steering wheel. And she said, you grow horns. And so the Lord's dealing with me. Don't be critical. How many of you ever drove and said, you idiot? And thank you for your honesty. So I said, Lord, grace me in this area. I, I need you to help me right here, Father God. To grace me with this judgmental attitude. So I'm going to have you stand up. I'm not the convictor, okay? That's the Holy Spirit. I just preach the Word. And you know what I found out about the Word of God? It reads the same for me as it does for you. And so what I figured out in this right here, that with the same measure I use, it'll be measured back to me. So if I criticize, guess what's coming back at me? Criticism. And if you feel like where you're at right now, that everybody's criticizing you, could it be because those are the seeds you sow? And if you want to fall fine, could that be what's happening? And if you want to stab people in the back, could that be what that's happening to you? So I have to look in the mirror and I say, man, that's me, Father God. That's me. I, I don't want to live this way. See, we all want what King David had. We just don't want to do what he did to get it. Right. So I don't know about you. I'm telling you, the Lord is elevating me. He's elevating me. Not only is the Lord elevating me, Holy Spirit Jr. is elevating me. <laughs> Let me say this. I thank God for a wife that'll say, that's pretty opinionated, dear, and I look like. I welcome it. I don't say that ugly. I just want you to bow your head right there where you're at. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you in here right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to deal, to deal with us how you deal with us. stand before you right now Father God and Lord we we ask you to reveal these areas of our life my critical spirit my judgmental my fault finding you know in 1 John 1 9 it says that 
If you'll confess your sins, that God's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I hope you're okay today. Let's just be biblical. And maybe you've never raised your hands before God. Maybe you want to come to the altars right now. Maybe right there where you're at. Just raise your hands before God and just understand this. God already knows the things we've done. It's not a surprise to him. But the only way he can forgive us and cleanse us is for me to confess my sin. So I want you to just, just walk this out with me. Father God, we stand before you right now. And Father God, I, I confess being critical, being judgmental, even being arrogant. And I, I ask you to forgive me today. And I ask you to cleanse me today. Wash me, scrub me. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you to my life that you would usher in grace, but you would usher in the, the fruit of self-control and grace is in our tongues. Grace is to be people of honor. have a phone you got to recharge that thing you got to recharge it usually daily well I think we need to recharge daily to the Holy Spirit and just maybe right now as they get ready to sing that you come down here to this altar and I, I liken this altar today to a, a recharging station well, I'm, I'm just low on your, your power today. I just, I just need a touch of God. And if that's you in here, I don't, I don't care who you are. I, I welcome you to come and say, man, I need a touch of God. I need fresh power today. Go ahead, guys, and sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.